My name is Paul Bergner. I've been going to City Church for four years. Before I gave my life to Christ, the only way I can really describe how I felt was like a bank account that was in the negative. I felt like people just took from me and never invested in me. I never had any value. I never had any, any self-worth whatsoever. I was essentially worthless, being used, being abused. I was molested by a missionary when I was three years old. Um, someone that my parents brought into their house to, to help. And unfortunately, that, that involved me and my, um, my sibling uh, being molested by this person. I've always, I, I always had a, I always felt like I had a real, real intimate relationship with the Lord even as a child. But going through that was, was, was very difficult and definitely produced bitterness in my heart against Christians and against the church. My dad was a minister and when I was 10 years old, he pulled me out of school and we moved to Dallas, Texas to live in a homeless shelter. When I went to live in the homeless shelter, my, my mother ended up marrying one of the transients that was there in the homeless shelter and my parents ended up getting a divorce. Um, my stepfather would go on to abuse me for 10 years, physically, emotionally, and mentally, and my siblings as well. I definitely had a lot of baggage. I was, you know, abusing drugs because I just wanted to feel better about myself. I had, I just had no self-esteem, no, no identity. I was living in um, Orange County, California at the time. I'd hitchhiked from Tulsa and I, I went to live with my grandmother in Southern California, and I was held up at knife point for a gram of speed. Luckily, one of the guys there had a gun, and the guy didn't uh, cut my throat. But from that experience, one night I was laying in bed, and I realized I needed to make a change, and I, I heard the audible voice of the Lord. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but I heard, him say, get up and go back to Oklahoma. Someone gave me a car that next week, no joke, and I drove all the way back from California to Oklahoma. At that time, I was very suicidal. I was going through withdrawals of drugs. I didn't even want to get out of bed. I was trying to go to, go to college, and there were days that I couldn't even get out of bed. I would just sit in a ball, pull my own hair out and cry for hours. I was miserable. I was essentially looking at just ending my life. Well, Thanksgiving, I gave my life to Christ and I just said, I give up. If you're real, make yourself real to me and I'll give you the rest of my life. He revealed to me that he was gonna use what was meant to destroy me to actually build me up and help other people. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I, I still struggle every every single day and I'm, I rely on God, I rely on His grace, I rely on the Spirit of Christ that lives inside of me to navigate through these, these waters. And sometimes it's a rough ocean and sometimes it's, it's, it's peaceful, but you know, every day I'm seeing the sustaining consistency of God's love and my wife's, my wife's patience. <laughs> I was married in 2015 and I realized that there were some still some deep-seated issues I needed to, to, to get out. Um, forgiving my, my mother, forgiving my stepfather for the abuse, forgiving the missionary that abused me. 
we're all taught, especially men, we have to man up. I think that that right there is really dangerous. No, we have to open up our wounds and be willing to say, you know what, I'm hurting. There's something not right with me. If you put a Band-Aid on a wound, it doesn't heal. It needs the open air. And I feel like that's the same thing. We need to open up our wounds to each other. And I feel like in church, I feel like it's really easy to put the mask on. But we just need to take our masks off and say, hey, I'm struggling. Embracing that and then embracing that I'm loved through that, you know, as, as Pastor Matt says, to lean in, you know, to understand that this trial does not dictate your value, you know. The way that I'm feeling today, if I don't feel up to, you know, the standard, it's okay because God loves us through every season of our life, just like a father loves a child. I love my daughter regardless of the messes that she makes, and I just want to help her. I just want to help her develop into a whole person. And I, and I think I think a pivotal moment in my life definitely was realizing that I'm capable of making the same mistakes that were done unto me if it wasn't for the grace of God. Yeah, thanks to Paul for just for the courage to share his story. I'm telling you, you never know somebody's story until you hear it, right? Paul is behind this cage a lot of times playing drums on Sunday morning, and you would never know uh, what God has brought him through and where he's at. Um, so proud of him for the courage to do that. We've got a panel this morning, obviously, right? Not our normal setup. Uh, we have had some heavy topics in this series. If you've been with us, Love Lies, we've been dealing with cultural myths we believe about love, sex, marriage, and singleness. Uh, I need a break after last week's message, if you weren't here. We talked about theology of sexuality, and so if you weren't here for that, we've, we've dealt with the covenant of marriage, we've talked about the gift of singleness. We're dealing with these cultural lies and then replacing them with biblical truth. Um, just a Christian worldview of these difficult topics. And so we're going to end this series next week with another very difficult sermon that I guess fortunately or unfortunately I get to preach, uh, you are what you feel or desire. And so a cultural lie that our, that our, our culture has believed. And so we're going to end with that. But today, a little more lighthearted for Father's Day, but also challenging for you as well. Uh, just a panel of people that are going to speak into some of these uh, topics that we've been dealing with. And by no means are we up here because we're experts, Right. No, no, maybe, maybe one. My wife's an expert. But other than that, uh, we're up here just because we're still in process, but hopefully you can learn from our process. And so what I want everybody to do is just introduce yourself real quick so people know who you are, a little bit about you. Matt and Lindsay Nelson. Um, he's pastor of City Church. <laughs> First lady? <laughs> no. She rejects that title. Sorry. Uh, we have four kids. Uh, Jackson is almost 12, Selah is 10, Sophie's almost 9, and Jude is 7. Mandy Damon, I'm the kids director here. I am representing the single people. What's up? And um, <laughs> I'm also um, a foster mom as well. Yeah. My name is Cassie Olson, and... Oh, and and uh, this is my husband, James, and we just celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary yesterday. Yesterday. Come on now. And we have two children who are now adults. We have a 23-year-old daughter and a 20-year-old son and a wonderful new son-in-law. I'm Natalie Esposito, and this is my husband. Andy. <laughs> Uh, we have two kids. Grace is 10. Graham is 8. We've been married for 13 years. Andy's in real estate, and I stay with the kids right now. Awesome. I'm good. 
So thankful. Thank you guys for being a part of this today. Uh, let me just say this. Last week I left off saying my mom and dad would join us today. My mom and dad are not up here, all right? So let me just say this. My, my dad has actually been trying to recover from COVID just a few weeks ago, still have some lingering symptoms. So he's out today, but dad, I know you're watching. Love you. Hope you get better soon. Happy Father's Day to you. And so just wanted you to know our, my parents aren't up here, all right? Nobody is old enough up here to be my parents. <laughs> Love you, mom and dad, though. Okay. Let me, uh, let me start us off with an easy one, then we'll kind of get in this for the married couples here, just to kind of get us going. Uh, what would you go back and tell yourself at the beginning of marriage, or what is the best advice uh, you've received so far? Who wants to start us off? You look like you do, Natalie. Let's go. <laughs> I, w- I was definitely not as flexible as what I thought I was. <laughs> and um, and I, I just grew up watching all the you know romantic comedies and thinking that, you know, you're so excited about marriage and it's going to be so perfect and, and he's going to be so perfect. And, and you don't think that you have that perspective until you get married and you realize that it's not. And so I would just tell myself to be less naive. <laughs> Try to be, I guess. That's good. Others? Andy? Did you want to rebuttal that? <laughs> no, I've learned not to rebuttal. <laughs> Smart man. That may be the best thing you leave with today. I would say um, to not to deal well, to not have unrealistic expectations. I went into um, the marriage with some really unrealistic expectations, whether it was from culture or tradition or bad theology. I had just bad, and um, and I think that really put a lot of pressure. Um, on Natalie, and it, and it caused a lot of chaos, but yep. definitely the unrealistic expectations of marriage. Yep. We did not discuss our answers with each other, but that's the exact answer that I wrote down. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, we didn't compare, um, but uh, one, one thing that comes to my mind uh, that I think is just a lot of wisdom is don't compare your wife to your mom. Um, <laughs> And, uh, or, or, or your husband to, you know, or if it's a wife to her dad, you know, because we're different and, um, and, uh, we have different strengths and, you know, in different, uh, areas that, you know, we're, we're good at. And I think that was one of the things that, that early on and, and from time to time it pops up, um, that, you know, there's things that you might admire about your parents or that you might not, that you might, <clears throat> might have hurt you in the past and making those comparisons can be very hurtful. Yep. That's good. If you sit down with premarital counseling with us, you, you, some of you have done this, you know one of the things I have you do is what do you like and dislike about your parents' marriage? And it's not a dishonoring thing. It's saying what cycles do you want to break and then what patterns do you want to repeat and how healthy that is to be able to see. Um, but I, I know for us, I, I would say this, and you probably have your own answer, but I, one thing we did get right is we had really good people in our life that gave us really healthy expectations. And so not that we didn't, we wanted the best. So like we set our bar high for our marriage, but we had very low expectations, which leads to, I think, a lot of contentment is not expecting too much, knowing that you're not going to fulfill me. You don't somehow answer every prayer that I've ever had. I'm not trying to find myself in you. It's not some sort of romantic idealization of marriage. It's just, no, this is my partner who we're helping each other become more like Jesus and I'm, I'm going to fall. You're going to fall. We're going to grow. I talked about this last week with sex. We're going to no idea what we're doing and grow as we, and I think that helped us tremendously is just managing that well. Yeah. I think someone once told me that, you know, this is the expectation and this is reality. And that gap in between is disappointment. And so when there's that large gap, 
there's more disappointment of I, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So not that, again, not that you set the bar low, but your expectation is like, we're new at this. We're just going to get better at this. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Some of you, we've talked about this once before, but I actually ended our relationship at one point because I had commitment issues. <laughs> so I had some growing up to do. And uh, it was one of those, like, we went through some struggles before we got married that actually helped us once we got married. Like, we learned to navigate the difficulties, and I had some maturing to do as a, as a young man that says, oh, this is going to be forever, I don't know if I want that yet, type deal, and, like, realizing, like, well, it's time to grow up, man up and do this, type, type deal. And so that, that actually helped us walking in. Some of our difficulties became our strengths later on, so. Um, Mandy, this is for you. I, I think there are single people who feel called to a life of singleness. And I think there are those who are embracing the season they're in of singleness. And I think those can be different places. And while people may be still looking for a spouse, how would you say, how do you learn to embrace the season God has you in as a single person? I think a big part of that was, I mean, it's really two things for me. One being leaning into the scriptural call for community. Um, So, I mean, I've been around enough marriages to know that it's definitely not going to solve problems. <laughs> and, um, and then I've also seen people wrap their lives around mine. Um, I mean, you need two cars to jumpstart a battery. And so having people like that in my community, outside of even my family when I was living far away from them, to know that I'm not isolated and alone. So I learned that through practice of what Scripture already tells us. And then the second thing is, is to lean first into my identity with Christ and to know that he is the ultimate provider. And um, I've seen him even presently lead me through big, scary things and hard things that I didn't necessarily choose to do single, but I walked in obedience in that direction and have seen how God has provided. And um, I have had an adventure with him in the amount of time I've been alive and I look forward to whatever, however long this season is, um, more adventure, because I know that he's so critical to me, and no relationship is ever going to do what he's done. That's good. Yeah. If you are, if you're single in the room, the message that I gave a couple weeks ago on the gift of singleness is one that I've been wanting to give a long time, and I've never had that sort of like feedback and reaction from people in our church, honestly. like I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard that. Paul's talking about the gift. Your life of singleness is not a plan B life. It's not second tier. It's not, oh, because it didn't work out. It's learning to live in the place that God has you and being content and, and to the fullest, right? It's just not easy. I'm not going to pretend that it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to make that clear because if you're still sitting in it and you don't want to be single, we know that it's hard. We know there are lonely nights. We know that it's something yeah. that's on your heart and God has given you that desire. So please hear me in saying that like, I'm with you in that and I hear you, but like embrace the adventure because it's there if you listen. How, how would you speak to this, Mandy? How would you say to people, maybe married couples or just the church in general, how can they better support um, single people and, and people within the church, the body of Christ? Um, yeah. One specific example I think of Brooke and Travis Rempel here in our own body and how they purposefully invite single adults into their home for meals. I've had Travis come work on my car. I've like, I mean, they're, 
that's one very tangible way to invite people into your life, but also serve them when they don't have that second person to rely upon. Because it can be really scary to make big decisions or hard choices or things like buying a car and just things like that. And so I've had people who have tangibly stepped into my life and assumed me as a sister and um, a daughter, and um, that makes you feel less isolated. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I said this a month ago, but especially married people in the room, you have to fight the tendency within the church just to surround yourself with people who look just like you. Right? Everybody's like, oh, I'm young, married, we've been married three years, we have one kid, we're going to find other people who've been married three years and one kid. But you need single people in your life, and they need you. Right? And so the, the beauty of the body of Christ is diversity. Right? So fight the tendency just to go find people. That's great if you're friends with people who are in the same stage of life, but just expand your, your circles. Married couples, what is a phrase, mantra, or word that you've adopted that would describe your view of marriage or dating um, something that's just kind of maybe you didn't think it was going to be your mantra, but it's become that to you over time. Not everybody at one time. I'll go. Right. I'll go. go ahead. Well, th this is not just a mantra for marriage, but I feel like it's been a mantra for my kids and for everything, but it applies kind of to everything. Um, oh, now I'm going to forget it. And, I, and it's my mantra. <laughs> you have like four, so I'm trying to figure out which one it is. <laughs> Not forever, just no, no, not that one. Oh, not not. You're not no you're, for now, not forever. Yeah. That's one of them. Um, uh, it's not if you drop the ball. Not if no. you drop the ball, but when. Oh, which which one are we using no, here? No, my one that I had pop into my head was. Um, it's really just a prayer. It's like God, give me the wisdom to know what's right oh, and okay. the courage to do what's right, even when it's hard. Say that one more time. <laughs> yeah, you you interrupted me. I do. Um, <laughs> no, it's. God, give me the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do what's right, even when it's hard. Hmm. And I mean, I, I, again, I think that applies to any stage of life that you're in, whether that I try to teach that with my kids, too, because we're all going to be faced with situations that are really, really hard. And we can make those decisions and those um, even conversations on our own, or we can pray to have the wisdom to do what's right and even to have that conversation or that, do that action that's really hard. Yeah, it's good. Another one? I guess I can. Do you want to go? There you go. <laughs> My aunt just said this to me a while ago because she was visiting us. And um, I'm kind of a reactor and kind of half like a perfectionist. <laughs> and, uh, she, and I wish that, I, I wish that she would have said this to me way back at the beginning because I look back over our whole marriage and even in my parent, my motherhood, I... I think when she said this to me, it just totally clicked. It's, she was like, yeah, cool it. Like, you just need to cool it a little bit. Like... <laughs> And I just never think that I need to cool it. And I think I'm totally justified in all that that I'm, that I'm feeling. And so um, I think it would have helped in our marriage, you know, uh, for me to cool it. And it, it just, I, it is what it is. I don't know how to explain it other than to just back off. Like, you don't need to fix everything and things don't have to be perfect and, and life doesn't have to be a certain way and just go with the flow. And I think that, that helps in so many situations, so... I think for me it's as simple as, um, and this is kind of a new thing that I'm applying, is that to just be a friend. You know, like marriage gets going so fast. I was sharing with her last night. Like it's like a train that just goes. Like when we were dating and I saw her and I was like, from the moment I asked her out on a date, we were together every day, you know, all the way until we got married. 
and I pursued her so hard and got to know her, and, and we were like friends, but then you get married and you have kids and you have career and all this stuff that happens, and you stop being friends. And so like for me, I would say it's to keep it as simple as just, I have to remind myself, be her friend today. You know, like be That's her good. friend and yeah. you know, whether it's a date or um, that she needs or a day away from the kids or the house, or whatever it is, just be a friend. I have a new marriage mantra, and it's cool it. <laughs> cool it. <laughs> I really like that one. You have to say that to yourself, that. not to your that. spouse. Yeah. No, you, go ahead. Uh, well, I just, I mean, we've, I guess, have been married the longest, um, you know, and been through the seasons of the little kids and work, and, and now we're almost empty nesters, and um, it just gets better. I mean, just hang in there. It gets better. Because <laughs> um, it just, you know, we're, you know, I'm approaching 50 here quickly. And um, the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, the 40s have just been amazing. And we just become closer and closer. So it just gets better. Come on. That's good. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know for us, and I, I said this jokingly earlier, one of our mantras has become, and if you've done premarital counseling again, and we've said that to you a million times, it's not if you drop the ball, but when, and if you pick it back up. Um, I, I think the grace to know that you are not going to meet every expectation that you set, but here's the key. Man, when you drop that ball, like you stop dating, you stop being friends, there's a breakdown in communication, sex life, all of these things. No one goes into marriage thinking, well, that's going to be us. Like we're going to be roommates 15 years in and just you know, indifferent toward each other. Nobody plans that. What happens is you drop the ball, you see it, you're like, that's going to be really difficult. I don't want to have that conversation. It's easier just to leave it there. You're going to have to fight that tendency. Don't leave those balls on the ground. It's saying, okay, what do we have to do to pick this back up? Who do we need to invite into our life? You know, do we need to see someone? Do we need to talk to someone together, individually? We need to have those conversations. When it's been too long since you've had quality time together, what are you going to do? And uh, I think that that gives us the freedom to say, yeah, I, there's things that we wanted to do that we haven't done as well in this season. And guess what? God's going to give us the grace to pick that buck up and go again, right? Um, Father's Day question. These are like bonus questions. Andy, James, how do you navigate being um, just a hardworking person, a businessman? Both of you guys have been very successful in what you've done and being fully present as a husband, father, grandfather. How, how do you navigate that complexity? I'm not a grandfather yet. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I have a I have a work a work a job that requires me to travel quite a bit, um, and that's when I I think about that question. It's a tough one because, um, you know, when you're when you're working. I mean, you have to be all in with a lot of jobs and you have to be, you know, you have to go when you're supposed to go and travel and be places and, uh, and, and yet also, you know, continue the job of, of your children, even as they get older. And of course, I'm very blessed. My, our son is here today and he's 20 years old. And I was just thinking to myself, uh, even as you asked the question, I was thinking, you know, one of the great benefits and blessings in my life is to have a good wife and uh, who's a good mom who, you know, that's where the partnership comes in because there's a lot of things when you have to go out and travel um, and be on the road or be super busy that, you know, you're not able to do, be there all the time. And so, you know, when I was looking at that book that, that um, the church is giving, the idea of intentionality 
of, you know, that the time that we do have, that we're intentional, that we're as a family um, making sure that we have dinner together. And uh, of course, again, that's where having a good mom and a good wife is very powerful because she helps keep me on the straight and narrow about being intentional about the times that we do have together. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, I try to incorporate everything I do with my kids, whether it's um, like even my devotion time with God, I don't ever like when the kids, I try to do it early in the morning, but if they get up early and come in there, I'm not like one of these dads that are like, this is my alone time, I'll be out in 10 minutes. You know, like I'll let, Grace has, has come in and sat on my lap while I'm reading or like before they left for Illinois, I was, got up early, I was like on my floor, face down, had worship music going, like in the middle of like just praying, talking to God, and Grace comes in and starts making a card for her friend, Heidi, and like, <clears throat> and she's comfortable with that, like she'd rather do a, something with me there, even though I'm like in the middle of like talking, so like I incorporate, like when I do, um, when I take communion, I always stop and say, hey guys, I'm taking communion, you guys want to do this with me? Or with work stuff, like I have, you know, we're building, we have, we have the real estate business, but we're also a builder as well. And so we have, I got these new plans and I have them laid out across my desk and Grace came in. I grew up where adults were on one side, kids were on, like you never engage in adult conversation because you were a kid. And I hated that. And so like I try with my kids to not do that with them. And so like having Grace like ask me questions about plans and she's really good at design. So like I'm even going to let her design some things on this house that she wants to do with Natalie. But, um, you know, Graham is even now saying that he's going to be a builder when he gets older. And so, like, I just try to, like, do things with them instead of just saying, hey, this is adult stuff, you know. And I think that keeps them engaged with me, Yeah. you know, as a dad. And so, like, they grow up. And, and we've talked about this, too. Like, I'm not – I told Natalie in the beginning, I'm never going to force Christianity on my kids. God has to do the work in them. All I can do is be an example for them, lead them, and pray for them, and hope and that they catch on, and that God does the work in them. You know, and so that's kind of I just try to yeah. incorporate with them. The, the power of just the moments, those moments together, and um, I, I think are so so powerful. I I don't always share this story publicly. I don't know why I don't. Maybe sometimes I hesitate. I, I remember. I was in junior high when my dad started a, a company that became one of the fastest growing companies in America, uh, Fortune 500. And I was a teenager when I remember him being uh, put up for an award nationally for Entrepreneur of the Year. Back in the day, everybody had a Dell computer, remember that? And my dad lost Entrepreneur of the Year nationally to Michael Dell. And I remember looking over at my mom and saying, dad's a really big deal. And she was like, yeah, I don't know how. He's not that smart, is what she said. <laughs> And it really is. And if he was here today, I would have told that story because it is. It was just God's favor. But here's the thing about my dad. I, I don't ever remember him being gone. It, it's, it's remarkable. Just the power of being present and, and the moments that you have together. That he could start this company, do what he did, and yet be a great father. To me, like it's mind-boggling to me looking back now at his life to be like, how did how in the world did you navigate that? Because I know you were traveling, you were managing hundreds and hundreds of employees, this growing business, and yet I don't remember you missing a baseball game, you know? And looking back on that, I, I, as a father now of four, like I have such a deep appreciation of just being present, you know, and the power of that. And, uh, and so that's my honoring my father today too uh, for what you did. Did you want to add something? Oh, okay. Let me move on. Um, 
talking about a depth of love that only comes on the other side of trials, brokenness, and actually a commitment to the covenant. Everybody has this picture of what they think it's going to be until you go through difficulty. Can you talk about how your struggles have served actually to strengthen your marriage after navigating through those? <laughs> you want to go? You, have you first? You first. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I thought you said you didn't want to go. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, our, our dating was kind of chaotic and crazy. And then and we met, and then six weeks later we were engaged, and then not even a year later we were married. And he was... Um, he was 28, I was 25, we had lived on our own, done our own thing for a long time. So anyways, you get married and thinking it's gonna be this big wonderful thing. And, and I feel, we were laughing last night because everybody kept saying to us like, oh, it's a, it, you're still in the honeymoon phase. And we're both looking at each other like, when, when does that start? Like when do, we start to, <laughs> when, do we like, when do we start to like each other or have fun in this? And it really, it's, we're 13 yeah. years in and I can really say, um, it started changing when we joined this church and we started having a sense of community and people to talk to and like bounce things off of. And um, because like you were saying, the balls drop and you sweep them under the rug and then you never deal with that kind of stuff um, because it's just too scary because you just feel like you're talking to a brick wall with each other. It's just, you don't get anywhere. So when you have community, that helped us grow a lot because you have other couples to do that with. But um, now we look, we, it's like we started down here and it's like been the stair stepping thing. And um, you, you get through one thing and then it's like okay for a while and then you got this like big hill to climb again because it would be like cycles of like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that was great. We got breakthrough. Yay. And then it was like, oh, no, like we can't stand each other again for a really long time. I mean, it would go like two years. And so you just keep climbing this ladder and now I can finally say that I feel like we're we're friends and we're enjoying things. And it's to the point where you can talk through your fight instead of fighting forever. And um, I guess that's where, where that's the, the ladder is. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we were able to build, like when we were in Illinois before we moved out here, we, not only did our mar- was our marriage bad, but we had like the weight of ministry on that too because we were in full-time ministry at the time. And um, we had no community whatsoever. Like, Jimmy Evans and Andy Stanley were like, the iMarriage thing was like, the only thing I had to help me through that, and I recommend iMarriage for anyone who's, um, but that was a time, and then we came out here, and then we had community through, within our church, and with, um, with Brad invited us into this marriage mentors group, which was amazing for us, because you'd look at someone and be like, oh wow, they probably have it so easy and so perfect, and then you get into marriage mentors with them and you're like, wow, they deal with that? <laughs> so it was, uh, it was just, you know, that really helped us, and now we have community within our neighborhood. We have a lot in our community, we have a lot of friends, like other married couples that we're friends with, and that has been like a safe haven for us too. And so I would say community for us has really has been the building block for our marriage to where we are today. Because we were literally on the brink of divorce. People look at us like, I had someone call me and be like, oh, this is a while ago. They're like, but I just, he was complaining about his marriage. He's like, I just don't have a wife like yours. Your wife went to Bible school, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I've been on the brink of divorce like eight times. <laughs> and so um, I would say community has been the biggest help for us you yeah. know, with what we've gone through. And now we're able to like help other married people you know, with what they go through. So That's good. Thank you. One of the things that we um, that that we kind of have acknowledged or understood or been able to see is that uh, one of the, like 
Of course, we know that we have an enemy, that Satan would love to kill, steal, and destroy our marriages. And um, the thing that we've noticed is, is that there are certain periods and certain things that happen, seasons, uh, generally like transitional seasons when we're changing from one thing to, to another, that our marriage hits the rocky areas. And it's just so interesting how you see the same um, challenges, the same patterns coming up. And, um, and it usually happens during the transitional periods, um, during uh, times when maybe there's financial strain or stress. Uh, there's like these things. And if you step back and you take inventory and have conversations and acknowledge and see like, hey, every time this happens, that's when we get into conflict. And it seems like whenever we get into conflict, it's the same little thing yeah. coming up over and over again. Um, and a lot of people, and so one of the things that's helped us has been to be able to just acknowledge and, and like take note of those things. And then it sort of takes some of the power out of them. We have a very, um, you know, it's funny because we noted uh, in both of our parents, um, and I, you know, I don't know if they're watching or not, but, <laughs> but we've noted with both of our parents that one of the, one of them sort of came to a point of always yielding to the other one. You know what I'm saying? Like one always seems to get their way and the other one kind of just, just goes with it. And we, for some reason, neither of us are willing to be that person. Uh, so we're, so, you know, we're, we're like, Hey, you know, and, uh, but, but I think, you know, for us, once we began to see these patterns and acknowledge them, we've been able to get a lot more breakthrough in our marriage. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. You want to add anything? I just want to add, um, I think even for us, me, and I would say you too, knowing the level of commitment and the level, like we made a covenant, we didn't make a commitment. And so there's really nothing we can say or nothing we can do that is going to scare the other one completely off. And like, there's just, there's no safer place yeah. than that. You're walking into a room with no doors and no windows. Yeah, which no, is, no way out. Sounds, sounds suffocating when you say it like that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the blessing of walking into a room with no doors, yeah. no windows. <laughs> but it really is. There's a level of security that, like, nothing I do or say is going to make you go away. Yeah. And, or... It's it, not if we work this out, it's how. Right. And, and there, yeah. there's so much freedom in that. So I know that I can come to you with anything, and we're going to figure it out because there's no other option. Let's talk about dating. Come on now. What are some of the pitfalls of dating? Something you've experienced, something you've seen other people experience. What would you say to challenge someone who is dating, potentially looking for a spouse? Don't settle. Don't settle. I, I say that joking. Like, really. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, Amanda, you can... I, I feel like there are times where it would be easier to go like oh my gosh, I'm going to be alone or I, I'm going to have to be single and so I'm just going to go ahead and get in this relationship or do this thing and like, th it, this is, it's too, it's a covenant. It, there's no ways, <laughs> there's no way out. Um, <laughs> you started that. Um, but but it really true. is. I mean, like this is, this is the rest yeah. of your life. This is the commit, the person that you're committing to everything to and so like it's, it's too big of a deal to settle. So we live in a culture where there's so many options, 
through online dating, um, and there's a huge, huge problem I've noticed among my single culture and my experience in um, just like feeding into those options and then letting your moral standards shrink to make something work with somebody and um, or to date longer than you should with a certain person because you're afraid of being alone. Um, but like one thing I know is I would rather be alone and whole with Jesus than dating the wrong person and be stressed out and uncomfortable and compromised all of the time. That's good. And so that's just yeah. my word for the rest of you guys because <laughs> yeah. I like sometimes I have chosen to be single and sometimes I haven't. But right. um, but just I've seen that and I've seen a lot of friends suffer and I don't want that for anybody else. Yep, that's good. I would say trust God and trust the process instead of. Um, taking it in your own hands. Like, I don't know if I'm the only one that had to, do you guys remember like, in the word of faith, this was big, but like, write down everything you're believing in a woman, right? And, or for a, a person, vice versa, and pray that, and if you keep praying in faith, that person will come by that has everything on your list. And that is the stupidest thing <laughs> that I, I was told because really what you're saying is, in order for me to be happy, I need this checklist. Come on. And marriage is not a me thing. Marriage is like you, met, you meet someone that you want to serve and love and, and do, be those things for. And so I would say, don't do the list. And um, I had a list, and it was terrible. But I would just trust God that God's going to bring someone in your life that you need, yeah. not necessarily that you want, but that you need. And, and I would say trust that. That's a good word. Yeah. Let me say this real quick. I, this is just something I see you dating couples. Um, the foundation for your marriage, a great marriage, is going to be friendship, right? And so what happens whenever the relationship becomes too physical too quickly? You do less talking, don't you? And you start doing other things, and then it gets super weird and awkward, and you're trying to figure out, you know what, is this just like, I, I feel sexual energy with this person? Well, congratulations, you could feel that with anybody, really. But am I really compatible with this person? Is there a genuine friendship there? So when things become physical too quick, it actually begins to erode the, the, the foundation of friendship that you're going to build with someone. And that's going to be the thing that carries you, right? So go into a relationship saying, I'm not going to go physical quickly, right? I'm going to focus in on this person, relationship, friendship, and I'm going to allow that to be a foundation for this to really grow to see if, is this person marriage material or not? Do you want to add anything? She says no. <laughs> no, I... I it's been a long time ago, but I, I think just in line with what you're saying, uh, Pastor Matt, is that, um, you know, we are, we are followers of Jesus, and this is true of married people and single people, that, um, that we were bought with a price, and our life is not our own, and so the world is trying to pull on us to just go act just like the world, and when you start getting into these dating relationships, um, you're, you know, you're setting yourself up for hurts that will be hard to get out of, you know, that you'll have to deal with sometimes later. So, you know, as you approach dating, it needs to be done, you know, putting Christ first in, yeah. in every aspect of it, you know, especially what you're talking about, the physical aspect, because the world is just pulling on people to just act like that and, you yeah. know, and to just hook up and do all those things. And, and, um, but yet then later, you know, you're going to have to deal with that later in your marriage, some of the wounds and hurts and things that you do. So it's just yeah. a, a, a very, a time to be very, um, careful. Right. I would say. Yep. 
you can actually date somebody and leave them better than you found them. That is possible to do that. And that's foreign to most of the culture around us. Let me, we're, we're running out of time, so our last question is here. I want you guys to answer this one quickly. Um, what is a tactic you have seen the enemy use in your marriage to cause division or destruction? Can you think of a tactic that the enemy has used? That's it. He comes in, like, when, like I said, when those balls are dropped. And okay. you stay quiet, right? You don't have anybody to talk to. You, you really think you are so right and justified in the way that you feel. And he'll put all those negative comments and make you think in your head that like life would be so much easier if they weren't making it so miserable. And, um, and you just stay... <laughs> Sorry. You know what I'm saying. I mean, you get wrapped up. (laughs) He does the same thing to me, okay? So (laughs) the only reason I can say it is because he says the same thing. Like, he he will get in there and just feed you all these lies, and you listen to them because you're alone. And, um, like, we could go weeks. We could go weeks and not talk three weeks at a time. And so... um, I, I would just, that's it. Like uh, screw tape letters, um, oh, ruthless yeah. elimination of hurry, those books we've read. And I yeah. just feel like it, it um, helps expl- explain how the devil gets in there with um, all these little strategies and tactics and lies and things. And so just don't listen to those things. Always have people in your life that you can talk to and bounce things off of. That's good. Um, I would agree. I would say that it's the, um, the lie that it's subtle, but the lie that it's about you. And marriage isn't about you, you know, and, um, you know, we're, you know, obviously it's, um, yeah, I think that, and that comes and you don't even realize it because you're, it's, it's like, uh, you know, when you're angry, it's kind of like just something that your emotions get going and you, now you're in an argument and you totally just forgot. And you're like, you have to remind yourself, this is not about, it's not about me. It's not about me. Stop. You don't. (laughs) You go ahead. Okay. Well. We've always, you know, sorry, tried to be careful about our words. And, you know, a pastor that we love once said that strife is the open door for the enemy. And so I think, you know, we sometimes, you know, it's, it's literally you just have to choose not to pursue strife instead of following the other person in the room. If you're in an argument, just waiting. And um, I think that's been the thing for us is just choosing your words wisely and loving each other and not allowing the enemy because once you open that door, that's when bad stuff happens. Yeah. And I just, and just say this that, um, and I think, you know, many of you know this that are married, but marriage is, you know, in spite of our conversation here, marriage is actually really fun and wonderful. And, uh, I mean, it is, it's got a lot of, uh, a lot of good times, a lot of great times. And, uh, and it's, and it's t- totally worth the efforts. It's, it's no different than the battle that we have as individuals t- between the flesh and the spirit. You know, you're, you're in a battle, you know, and there's moments where you, you, we become very carnally minded and, you know, and, and we're selfish by nature. And, uh, and so I think there's such, uh, it's so valuable and worthwhile to, um, you know, keep your own personal life in good shape spiritually 
and again, stay in community and stay in fellowship with other people. But I think if we have that personal walk with the Lord, it helps us in those moments. We have this, you know, when sometimes we just want an argument with each other. I mean, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, you can feel like, okay, bring it on, you know? And, uh, but that's not right. That is not Jesus. That is not the standard that God set for us. And it's not a great example for our children. And so we have to shut that down. And uh, that's a choice that we have to make. That's good. Do you want anything? Okay. We're perfect. Yeah. No tactics. Let me say real quick, one of the tactics we had to learn early on was we weren't completely honest when we were going through difficulty. We, were, we didn't want to burden each other with our struggles, and so sometimes we would say nothing when we should have said something. That was a big one for me. When we were about to have our fourth kid, and I began to go through some major health issues, and I was like, I don't want to burden her with how I'm really doing. And yet that's a burden she had to carry with me, right? Those are things that we had to navigate. Learning it's, hey, sometimes it's good and sometimes you carry each other's burdens. Uh, we want to end. I'm going uh, to have prayer over us in just a minute. We're going to take communion together. Um, have Andy lead us in communion as well. Uh, James is going to just pray for us. I, I think the key to all this, whether you're single, married, you have to find your identity in Jesus. Amen. Let me say that this morning. You have to find your identity in a relationship with Christ, not in, a, not in a relationship with someone else. Even in marriage, we don't complete each other. No. So how are you leading yourself? If you're married in the room, man, is your identity in Jesus? Are you pursuing the right people? Freedom and wholeness. The greatest gift you can give your spouse is to be everything Jesus has called you to be. Uh, not for them to fix you. Not to sit there and you know you've dropped the balls in your own life and you're like, I'm just going to leave them there. No. In the covenant of marriage, pick them up. If you're single or dating in the room, Jesus is fully sufficient. We've talked about this. He's everything. And um, I'm going to pass out communion. If you, you, if you guys have communion uh, with you, we're going to take in just a minute. James, if you would, just pray a prayer of blessing over us. Married, single, dating in the room. And then Andy, if you would, just lead us in this time. Amen. Amen. Well, let's just bow our heads and um, just in a posture of receiving from the Lord, I want to just pray over everyone. I know people are in different situations. So, Father, uh, God, you see every single person in this room. You know where we're at, single, married, great marriage, difficult marriage, uh, lots of wounds, pretty healthy. Lord, you know exactly where we're at. You know the past, you know the present, you know the future. And Father, right now, we invite you by your Holy Spirit just to minister to our lives. Yes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to rise up within each one of us strong, stir within us faith and hope for a brighter future. Lord, we know that we belong to you. We know that we are not our own. We know that we've been bought with a price. We know that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray right now over every person in the house right now, Lord, that you will bless us and help us and minister to us, and even in the hours after church today, that, Lord, you will stir in us conversations, healing, uh, apologies. 
Lord, uh, humility, brokenness, Lord, whatever it is that each person in this place needs this morning, Lord, I pray. And those that are even watching, Lord, all over the world, Lord, just minister to our needs and, and God, bring health and wholeness where there's brokenness. Bring, bring hope where there's been hopelessness. And Lord, we will give you the glory and honor, and we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Father, we're just so thankful for the, blood, for the body, uh, the body of Jesus that was broken for our wholeness, Father. His body was broken so that we can be healed and whole in our bodies, in our marriages, in our soul. And I just thank you, Father, that as we eat the body of Christ, Father, that we will partake of the body and receive wholeness and healing in our marriages in every area of our life, Father. And I just speak peace uh, to those who are single and peace into marriages, and I just thank you for the body, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we lift up the cup, and we just thank you for the blood of Jesus this morning, the blood that washed us and cleansed us of all of our sin and inferiorities and our weaknesses, our shame, our guilt. And we just thank you that the blood, Father, that those who are dealing with condemnation in their life or in their marriage, Father, that you would remind them of the blood. Yeah. There's nowhere that the blood cannot go. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And I, I'm so grateful for this group. Didn't they do a great job this morning? Would you just give it up for them? Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, let me say this real quick. On cc.guide, there is a, a tab that says Love Lies Resources. Um, if you need assistance, maybe you're in crisis in your life, in your marriage, there's places on there. We have a counseling center we work alongside. Uh, you can set up a meeting with a pastor. You can grab any of us after service. I know any of these individuals would love to be able to, to walk with you if, if needed. Our staff is available. Uh, this, you, you have people in your life who love you and care about you if you need some. There's recommended books on there, readings, all kinds of materials. Uh, let me say this, if you're a first-time guest, I'd love to meet you in the welcome room just across the hallway. We have a free gift for you, just about 30 seconds of your time. Dinner with the staff is tomorrow night. If you're new-ish to City Church, whether a couple weeks, a couple months, we would love to sit down and have dinner with you, get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. As we end service in just a mo moment, our prayer team will be up here in the front. If you need prayer for anything in your life, man, make sure you stop by and, and pray with one of them. We're going to end our series, Love Lies, next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a great time together. Let's end with our mission statement. Go live it out this week, wherever you are. Be the gospel. Happy Father's Day to you.